Hello and welcome to episode 1257 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Thursday, February 15th. I'm your host, Paul Sporer, joined this afternoon by Justin Mason. Justin, pitchers and catchers are reporting, and I heard Justin Mason's in the best shape of his life. How you doing? I am the best shape of my life. I always am because I am in a shape. It is a pear shape, I think. I'm in a stick yes. shape. Yeah, it's, there you it's go. a shape. So. You know, I'm shaped like a pretzel rod, but it mm-hmm. is indeed a shape. Pitchers catchers are reporting the snap of the glove. You know, few things hit harder than that for me. I love that sound, but the inevitability of the injuries. We talk about this every year. It's that it's that rug pull. We get so excited. We can't wait. And then the injuries come fast and furious. And it took mere minutes today before a few bits of news came out. One particularly bad, the other two a little less worrisome, and uh, we'll talk about how we're reacting to them. But let's get into those and then get into some more outfielders. Let's start with the big one, man. This one's uh, already kicking a few of my teams directly in the midsection. Kyle Bradish, diagnosed with a UCL sprain, will begin the season on the IL. I'm done drafting him. I'm just done drafting him. Even in IL leagues, it's just... We've talked about this concept. That's just not what we're going to do. Um, there are certain leagues with unlimited ILs. You can make a case that the price drops to a certain degree. The bulk of our work is in the NFBC realm where you have seven reserves and that's it. In a league like that, you just can't get me to draft somebody who's starting on the IL. I'm sorry. I I do not care. And as much as I love Bradish, he also doesn't have the track record to where I would even start to consider it. Right. Like there might be a certain level where a player is at, at, you know, of stardom where I say, okay, it's going to be three weeks or something. I could maybe make that calculation. Bradish is not there yet. He's off my board. I assume he's off yours now. Yeah. I mean, even in leagues where, like, let's say, like you're at a Yahoo or an ESPN league um, and there you've got five IL or seven IL spots, yeah. like, right? You get a bunch of them. Uh, I still think it's a bad decision. It just, why invite that? You're going to get the chance that he does not get surgery seems so low. I know he says he's going to try to pitch through it. He got the PRP injection, but like, I mean, every pitcher has some level of risk of getting Tommy John surgery in any Mm -hmm. given year. If you're going through something like this, it just multiplies uh, unbelievably. So uh, I, I, yeah, it's off my board uh, completely. Like there is no, even in tout wars where, uh, or labor where I have unlimited IL spots off my board. I just not like that just wastes another lottery ticket at the end of the draft. Yeah. There's just not really going to be a price point where I can get behind Bradish right now. Um, the only way he's going to fully bottom out in price is if he is out for the year too. So then at that point, it's really not worth it. Like, you know, if you're in a dynasty and you want to try to buy on the cheap off of this news and like try to get in really, really cheap because you're already in a rebuild, maybe something like that. But in general, I'm not much for these risks. So this was a favorite of mine, too. So this is a big bummer. I've already got him in a couple leagues, but we're going to have to move on from Kyle Bradish right now. Ancillary news there, less worrisome, but still a bit of a bummer, particularly for you, as you mentioned, that you've, you've got some big investments in John Means. John Means business, but he won't mean business for a little bit. He's behind schedule uh, as he's working his way back from injury. I'm not, I'm not fully daunted by this one. But it is a bummer with the elbow soreness that he's still dealing with. What do you think of the John Means news? And uh, will you be done collecting shares, even if the price drops? Yeah, this is uh, a little bit of a bummer news for me. I was just on a podcast on Fantasy Pros with the Welsh, and I uh, 
And I we're doing bold predictions. One of my bold predictions is John Means is going to be a top 40 starting pitcher this year. Uh, clearly backing off of that. Um, so, Not impossible, even with missed time, but it yeah. will obviously be much harder. And your, your idea was that, you know, he hits the ground running, comes out and looks good from day one. And if we were wondering why the Orioles took their time before they made the Corbin Burns move, I mean, one or both of these moves may have been uh, the reason why. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, I don't know how much if they already had this information or not when they made that move, but uh, definitely shores some stuff up getting Corbin Burns. But uh, I'm not done drafting John Means um, because so far, at least the information I've seen is that he's just behind schedule. Exactly. It's not an injury necessarily. So uh, I will probably soak up even more shares of John Means. Especially if the price dip comes. He's yeah, 275. Exactly. I'm looking at 41 drafts over the last calendar month. So from 115 to 215 today, um, that's 41 drafts. That's a good bit of, of sample there. 275. You might start getting him post 300 with this news because people overreact to these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Now, you should react hard to Bradish, but I wouldn't overreact to means I'd pay the current ADP, I think, in, in a lot of situations, but I don't think you're going to have to. I think you're going to get him even cheaper. Yeah, I agree. So we will take that. What about old man Verlander uh, dealing with a sore shoulder right now? Again, not starting on the IL guaranteed or anything like that, but it's just kind of like one of those things that has some negative news. Will it create a price drop in your in, in your estimation? And if so, are you willing to try to take advantage of that for Verlander, who's currently at pick 125? Uh, I think it will create a price drop. Um, I'm not particularly worried about it at the moment, uh, and so I probably would take advantage of it. You know, I always want to remind people, anytime you take a risk like this, um, which you should kind of be a little wary of doing in the first place like just don't compound it right like exactly don't don't draft verlander and means on the same team don't draft you know verlander and verlander means scherzer and kershaw my rotation set exactly right uh so like just just be very careful about kind of compounding even at different positions right like Mm -hmm. i wouldn't draft a justin verlander and then draft a byron bucks Right. Yeah, I'm not um, putting Verlander on my Corey Seager team, right? Like, exactly. Just don't want to start collecting injuries off rip. You take maybe one, and it has to be one of these guys that isn't really fully set to miss time yet either. In my estimation, it should be. So I like Verlander. You guys know I love I love Verlander, one of my favorites. I was already baking in some, you know, a, not a full season here. I'm planning for maybe like a 160, 170 inning type season just because he's, he's getting up there in age. So this doesn't really daunt me too much, especially if it comes with a price dip. If he jumps back, you know, I said 125 right now. If he jumps back closer to 150 with the likes of a, a, a Chris Sale, a Bailey Ober, a Carlos Rodon, who carries his own risk, of course. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll jump yeah, in I, there. I'm just not going to overload on him. He's he's old. I wasn't going to anyway, even as my favorite pitcher ever. I got to separate the heart from the, from the brain and trying to win. So Verlander news, not as bad, neither as the John Means one. Stay tuned on both in case it gets worse. But with Bradish, you really got to jump him down your board a ton. And for our money, off your board um, for Justin and I. Let's get back into the outfield. Uh, we got through a decent bit the other day. But now we're going to continue on. Uh, let's finish with the top 100 leftovers. There were three guys that don't really fit a theme here, but they're the last three guys within the top 180p that we had not talked about. And it's an interesting trio. You know, all three veterans, they do different things. You got Mike Trout at 73, Kyle Schwarber at 92, and Brian Reynolds at 93. So you got, you know, 
the potential god still, Mike Trout, if he could find health, would be such a bargain at 73. Schwarber, the three true outcome king, power only, but a lot of it. And, and you know, good uh, runs ribbies as well because he bats near the top of the order, but no batting average to speak of. And then Brian Reynolds, kind of the do a bit of everything type guy with a carrying batting average that kind of drives his profile. Let's start with Trout. Um, at this price point, is he somebody that you've taken yet? Because you, you've you done quite a few drafts already. Um, do you find yourself landing on Trout? Or if you aren't, are you missing and saying, dang, I wish I got him? Where do you, where do you stand on Trout right now? Uh, I have drafted him, and I'm just pulling up my, my shares list real quick, just once, um, Okay. at the Arizona Fall League. And we talked about that. Um, I think I got him around pick 75 or something like that. Uh, I feel like there it's a pretty good chance, a pretty good opportunity cost, right? Like we're talking I about agree. a guy that has been a perennial first round pick for years, and now we're getting him at pick seventy five or behind, like that. I'm totally fine with taking that kind of discount again. Just don't compound it, right? Don't compound it with other guys that have, uh, you know, that are risky injury wise or risky playing time wise. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's still Mike Trout. He's still on a per yeah. plate appearance basis, one of the best players in baseball. So he's still just so filthy, and he's probably not going to spike another 145 game season, but he could. It's in the cards. And that's all you really need to get a crazy payoff from Trout. Cause like you said, the skills are still locked. What about Schwarber? We know what he does. You got to build some batting average cushion around him. Um, but if you want that big time power and say you went maybe a little power light early on, but you do have great batting average, he can be a great fit. I think you really need to be mindful of that and kind of set your team properly to take on somebody like Schwarber. But he's somebody I've been drafting for the last several years. I quite like him. What do you think of Schwarber at pick 92? Is that is that too high for you? Is that just right? That's yeah, just right for me. And he drops in some drafts too, right? Yes. Like, you know, people are really afraid of the batting average. He got pretty unlucky on balls and play last year. So, like, I'm not... Like he's never going to be a batting average asset, but like, like could he with good Babbitt luck like hit 250? Absolutely, and 250 with 50 home runs is like fine with me. Like, yeah, because he um, smacks the piss out of the ball, so he could yeah. just kind of hit through it and just really take over. Obviously, he strikes out a bunch, so he needs those limited balls in play. But like I said, he also leads off, and he's been a workhorse uh, with 155 and 160 games the last two years for Schwarber blasting nearly 50 bombs with the big ribbies and the big run total. So even if the average doesn't come, you're good. Now he spiked that hilariously random 10 steals on 11 tries in 2022 mm -hmm. and then was 0 for 2 last year. So don't plan for anything like that. If he gives you a little bonus of six, seven steals for Schwarber, great. But don't even put it in your projection. Put him down for one, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah maybe one or two. Like <laughs> just, uh, Max. But like, he does so much damage with the power um, and power is so much harder to get that like I can understand, especially if you're in, you know, obviously we think about things from a more balanced perspective because we play an NFBC a lot and we're competing for overalls at the same time as we're competing for a league. But like Kyle Schwarber is the like prototypical guy that I love in punk batting average leagues. Right. Yes. Like, you project him out for like a 220 or a 210 batting average, but the variance in it uh, could have him, you know, considerably higher than that. And you went from punting batting average in the middle of the packet, which is the way you want to do that. So uh, I love, like, in my standard roto leagues, I love Kyle Schwarber. You, you've outlined that strategy many times before 
uh, as something that you really like to do uh, as a way of possibly getting a bunch of batting average by looking at these guys that, you know, they're just some balls and play luck from really hitting big there and playing 30, 40 points above their normal mark, but you're still stacking all that great power. And you're not devoid of um, batting average guys. It's not all Schwarbers and players of that ilk, but you're not afraid of those guys. And I like that too. When you do have an overall component, you need to plan for it more. So maybe you pair Schwarber with a Brian Reynolds. Now his average was not off the charts the last two years at 262 and 263, but that's a pretty solid average. He did hit 302 back in 2021, and he's a career 277 guy. So he is seen as somebody who can be a batting average boost. But I love the mid 20s homers, like uh, homers. It's like clockwork there. And then he went double mid 80s on the runs and ribbies last year. And I know we've talked about one of the teams that you think could be a sneaky decent offense is Pittsburgh. Maybe he pushes into the nineties for one or both categories. What do you think about Brian Reynolds? I mean, I just have always loved Brian Reynolds. I feel like he is got one of these guys, like when we're talking about trout and Schwarber, we're talking about ceiling versus floor, like the kind of risk you want to play right there. Uh, I feel like Brian Reynolds is the inverse conversation, right? It's, I don't think he has got a massive amount of upside, but I think he's one of the safer guys in fantasy, especially in the outfield, that you can kind of put on your team and kind of really just pencil in really solid production. Like, yep. um, and I think those guys have a role, especially if, you know, like let's say I double tap right here, like on a Schwarber or on a Trout. Like I want a guy like Brian Reynolds to make my team feel not as risky. So Brian Reynolds will probably be on more of my teams than Trout and Schwarber uh, because of that kind of lack of inherent risk. Yeah. And I, you know, as I play more and more in the NFBC and with these overall prizes, I lower some of my risk profile on a guy like this. You know, we associate him with somebody who we mentioned, Dave Potts, you know, one of the one of the studs of the NFBC. He kind of gets associated with steady, boring teams. Brian Reynolds is a superstar on a Dave Potts type of team. So um, that slow and steady, you know, just kind of banking those numbers with every guy. No oohs and ahs with every player you're drafting, but who gives a shit? Because yeah. they don't award any money for how many oohs and ahs you get at the draft table. And so guys like Brian Reynolds are really solid. Um, all right, so yeah, those three are all pretty interesting. They all have different fits. And I could see pairing two of them on a given team at any time. Uh, third appearance on these lists, just to see if you got anything else to say about them. Probably not. But Spencer Steer and Tommy Edmond, they're back again for the last time here in outfield. Spencer Steer at 114, Tommy Edmond at 166. If I was better at my job, I would have seen where their ADPs were at their other respective positions, but I did not go to see uh, how that is. But you, you st you're the same on these guys. Should people go back to the third base episode to hear about some Steer or the shortstop episode to hear about Edmond? Or has anything changed with you on these two? Nothing has changed with me necessarily, but things have started to change in terms of their ADP. Their ADP is dropping. Does um, anybody do like a market report or something that would I do and information? You know that? what? I'm gonna have two articles coming out tomorrow because I wasn't Fantastic. able to write last night because of Valentine's Day. Maybe even three, depending if I'm uh, feeling particularly uh, gutsy. Generous. I might write, yeah, I might I might write the first base, second base, and shortstop tonight. All in one night that um, yeah, very impressive. And yeah, I did go back and look at Steer back at first base, 104, at yep. third base, 112, and now 114. So slowly moving down. Yeah. And I think that's partially if you look, if I just released the catcher update, all the catchers are moving up. 
So I think that you're starting to see, uh, you know, uh, you're starting to see like a lot of guys at, at first base in, in the infield start to move down a little bit. What do you think is um, driving that? Because all we've talked about is how deep catcher is and how we're okay kind of waiting on some guys. And now we're seeing some go up. Yeah, I think part of it is just there are certain guys that people really like. Yeah. So and they want to get um, their guy. And they want to get their guy, uh, you know, and I think we're just starting to see bigger and bigger samples of drafts too. So like also uh, true. while things tend to move a little bit slower um, or not as violently um, because we have, we're getting larger and larger samples. Um, we're also getting more and more drafts. So if you look at those samples in the smaller sample, they move a lot quicker with so yep. many extra drafts going on right now. So I think that's a great way to put it back out. Second base Edmund was 154. So to, to underscore your point down to 166, he is moving down, and I would take either of these guys, Steer or yeah. Edmund, especially at the discounted price. If they continue to dip down a little bit, sign me up for either. I love the profile that both bring, so I'm definitely there with them. Let's talk about this next group here. There's four veterans. One of them's veteran E because he's a little bit older, but he doesn't have as much track record as the other three. But these four could all be top 100 types. They're not really that far away from really having things click and popping off. In fact, one of them, the younger of these four, really did pop off last year. Nick Castellanos and Lane Thomas, that's the, who I'm talking about being younger. Uh, they both are 115 ADPs. George Springer at 122 and Teoscar Hernandez at 131. So these four here, they've put track record up. Again, Thomas is, is more scant than the others. The others have been superstars before. Uh, Thomas kind of had his big breakout last year. We'll see if he can kind of carry that on. He went 28-20 with a 268. So he was a top 100 guy last year. What do you think of this quartet generally before we get into all four? Um, I mean, this quartet are guys that I don't tend to end up with very often. Okay. Um, Any specific uh, reason or you just taking other guys in their spots? Because I know you've been a yeah. fan of some of these guys previously. You used to drink George Springer's bathwater. We've both advocated for Teoscar in, in past years. And Castellanos, yeah. And Casty. I was a year early on Lane Thomas. Thanks for that one, Lane. Um, so is it is it other guys are around or do you have any specific problems with these four? It's I'm typically addressing other positions at this point. Okay. Um, That's fair. So, and I honestly think, I know some people have said like outfield isn't, very good this year. I don't agree with that. I think I outfield's think actually fine. Um, I and honestly, I don't really think there is a bad position this year necessarily. There are definitely positions that drop off in different spots, and but so you want to be terrifies you. Yeah, nothing where I go. I need to draft a an outfielder or a second baseman. You know, in the first few rounds because later on you can't find anybody. I, I don't yeah. think that is the case this year. I think every I think every position has pretty decent depth but with pitfalls so uh i'm just typically taking a picture here i'm typically um you know you've got a number of third basemen i really like in kind of this area in the bregmans and the josh youngs mm -hmm. and things like that um the arenados so like i just typically miss out on these guys though i don't dislike any of them yeah, I think I co-sign that completely. I don't really land on any of the four, but if I did, I'm certainly not pissed. So they are not on the on the do not draft list by any stretch. I too am usually going elsewhere in this early 100s range. Let's start with Castellanos. 
He had a bounce back last year. He got back on track. Remember, first year in Philly did not go well. I still maintain that he played through injury. He's one of these guys that wouldn't tell you. He's like the, what was it called um, on Monty Python? Is that the Black Knight or something? I'm not very familiar yeah, with Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, <laughs> he would be the guy getting his arm chopped off saying, it's, uh, but a flesh wound, I'm fine. Because that's just the way he is. He's kind of that old, old school gritty where he doesn't want to use excuses, which I respect to a degree. But at some point, you know, if your leg is hurting, you can say, it. I don't think you're a, a pussy if you say that or anything like that. But he kind of subscribes to that, you know, tough it out sort of thing. And I think he grinded through that first season in Philly and it didn't go very well. But he bounced back 29-106 last year with 11 steals too. Nice little 11 for 13 on the bases. Might be Schwarber-esque where you don't really uh, bank on that from Casty. But a 272 average, he'll be 32. There is some a few discouraging signs underneath the hood so this is one where the results got back but are we are we ready to say that he's back back or are people just chasing cincinnati foolishly and that's just always going to be his high water mark for castellanos um i mean i think that there is i think the cincinnati time is is likely his high water mark. I mean, it's just it's just a good part to hit him. Like I exactly, just, and Philly like, is too. But since he is Coors Junior or Coors Light, we call it that all the time. I call it Coors Junior for months until someone said, "Hey, dummy, why not Coors Light?" But yeah, it, it, it is Coors Light. Philly's great too, but it's it's different. It's not as good as as Cincy. Yeah, yeah. It's just um, like I I think that if you think that he's going to put up those kind of Cincinnati numbers again, I think you're probably wrong. Um, that being said, like there's nothing wrong with what he did in Philadelphia last year. And there's, you know, I do think, I do think there probably will be a little bit of a step back uh, just because it was such a great season. Zone contact was down uh, like 2%. Uh, you know, he definitely relies on, uh, getting a little bit of Babbitt help last year, I, you know, so I think the batting average comes back down. But, like, I don't think it's, like, a fall-off or anything. I think it's just a little bit of regression, maybe back to closer to mid-20s homers, you know, uh, a 250-260 batting average with plenty of runs at RBIs because Philadelphia is really good. Yeah, I, I think I'm right there with that on Castellanos. Again, if I land on him, I'm not pissed, but I'm not seeking him out right now. There are other guys I'm looking at. Lane Thomas, like I said, had an amazing year last year. Totally broke out the way I was really hoping he could back in 2022. 28-20 with a 268 and 86 ribs and 101 runs on that Washington team is very impressive. I want, you know, I'm actually kind of surprised he's not going higher. You know, the way we kind of tend to overrate things from the previous year, you would think he'd be even higher. But Lane Thomas seems like relatively affordable here at 115. What does he do for an encore? I don't know. It's hard to know what Lane Thomas is. Um, I, I know last year looks great if you look at things from kind of a macro scope, but when you start kind of looking into what he was doing month by month, uh, you know, he did a lot of his uh, damage um, in terms of home runs at the end of the season in September, but he did it with like really, really bad batting average. He had 223 batting average in the second half these guys who kind of like late career breakouts always scare me as guys who are going to disappear all of a sudden as well. Exactly. And so like, I don't have a problem necessarily with where he's going. I'm just probably going to pivot to other guys. And this is another one of these reasons where like, I probably just don't consider Lane Thomas uh, around his ADP because of guys in the outfield, other guys in the outfield that are going around here or just other guys at other positions. 
Yep, that's exactly where I'm at with Lane Thomas. Again, I could land on him, but usually after a year like this that is so out of nowhere, you probably shouldn't buy the follow-up year because, mm -hmm. you know, obviously the price gets, gets really boosted up and he's probably not going to repeat that. That's going to be his high water mark, his breakout year. So I tend to kind of go away from Lane Thomas this year. I'm not mad, you know, just because I was a year early. Like I'm not punishing him. It's nothing like that. It's just, well, now he's expensive. Great year, but I'm usually looking elsewhere. What about George Springer? He used to drink the bathwater. He's getting old now, but he is still in Toronto. Uh, that's a good lineup and team. And when he's healthy, he's still going to bat near the top of the order. And, you know, 21 homers, 20 steals, 683 plate appearances. It was only a 102 OPS plus. So his slash line wasn't as good, but the fantasy production was there. It was really just the batting average and OBP that had fallen off. Are you uh, finding yourself at all interested in a 34-year-old George Springer? Even if you miss him, is it somebody that you're like, ah, I would still take him if I didn't need whatever position you're chasing at that point. Where do you come out on him now that he's getting a bit older? I just can't quit him. I just like, I, I don't draft him very often for some reason. I just can't quit him. I don't know. It's just the history. Um, there's nothing wrong in the profile. I mean, especially you look at the second half, because um, I think he was a little banged up in the first half. 86% solid contact, 28% O swing, all great. 10% swing strike rate, 20 per, or 21% uh, uh, strikeout rate, 10% walk rate, power speed. Like, I think he's fine. He's definitely not the player that he used to be. And the problem is, you're, I mean, in some ways he's like, he's, he kind of profiles as one of those guys where it's like, hey, he doesn't have, like, he doesn't have a massive ceiling, but it isn't a massive downside. The problem is he does get injured, which kind of adds in a little bit of a downside. So I'm less enthused to take him this year, but I'm not afraid to necessarily, especially in ILEs, right? Because he probably will miss time. Like, yeah, you know, I know he had 683 play appearances last year but previous to that he hadn't broken 600 since two eight uh 2018 since tw so yeah yeah it had uh, been a long time since he had broken that kind of number and at 34 it's a smart bet to say 500 540 yeah. plate appearance i don't know if you've done your outfield projections but i imagine you're gonna have low to mid 500 working through them right now okay yeah i i cannot imagine that projections should be terribly high on george springer's um uh, plate appearance total and I, I certainly wouldn't either okay yeah i think that all checks out with him uh for sure what about teoscar is is teoscar unsigned or is he, is he still in seattle he's dodgers oh he's with the dodgers that's right that's right that's right, right. That's he, he right. got he got like a one-year 20 yes, million dollar yes. contract that's he's gonna be there over like 75 years that's right that's right he, so he's gonna be like their jd martinez this year right yeah. Will it be similar to that? Because remember, the Dodgers bought low on J.D. Martinez. He rebounded, had a great year. This is a younger situation, although not as good of a hitter. I will freely admit that. Like yeah. Obviously, J.D. Is, is a really strong hitter, but a big-time power guy. Hit 26-93 with seven last year. Kind of rallied, like had a bad first half. And he was somebody I was off on. And, you know, if, I, if I'd have been doing those mid-season victory laps, I would have looked silly because it looked like, oh, being off of Tasker worked. Well, no, by the end of the year, he kind of got you where where you needed to be with everything. Do you like them with the Dodgers? I know you hate the Dodgers, but you acknowledge what they are able to do with players. Are they going to get a rebound out of him or more of the same? I I mean, I don't know that they're going to get a rebound out of him. I guess, him. yeah. Now, as I'm looking at it, what even would be a rebound? Like, because that would, that would have to be like 2020, 2021 level, and 2020 was only 50 games. But let's just add those two together. That was 295, 345, 538. 
I don't think there's really any world where his batting average is going to jump anywhere near that no. right, for Teoscar. No, so it's not he has really to run really rebound. high Babbitts just to run, you know, 250. Like he, Here's he, a better I, question then. Let, yeah. Let's 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 push that off to the side because there's no rebound to be had. He got to his level. Does Teoscar get anywhere near 678 plate appearances again? I think that's the real question being in L.A. And that is my big question because, first of all, right now he's projected to bat seventh. Mm-hmm. I think he probably bats six, right? Like, um, you know. Who, who do they, they have at six right now? Outman. I love Outman, but why not mix up him and Muncie? If you're going to go with the two, I mean, I guess there's going to be a bunch of lefties in a row either way because they're yeah. going to be running platoons. I, I I would personally put Teoscar six as well if I was making a lineup. But that's as high as he's going. Yeah, barring injuries. So um, you automatically chop off plate appearances because he's batting kind of lower in the lineup. Mm-hmm. He's a pretty bad defender. Yeah, so he's, you know, he's going to get, um, he's going to get switched out for Margot or Chris Taylor or someone like that, um, you know, at the end of games. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also goes through slumps where like the Dodgers will just replace you. Um, I don't care how much money you're making. No. Um, so I don't think there's any way he repeats the amount of play appearances we've seen from him. Uh, in, yeah. In that's my biggest year. concern with Teoscar. And I, I will say, though, even with that concern, you know, let's say I give him upper 500s, 590. Yeah. I don't hate 131 still. He has enough power. The runs and ribbies will still be good, even batting lower and fewer plate appearances because that team is so good. Probably not 93 ribs again, but he can probably get 80s for both. No? For Casper? Yeah, and I think this is probably, I think this is the best park he's ever played in terms of, you know, for hitting right like so uh well well the toronto covid year stuff oh that's, yeah yeah that's yeah. that's like, off to the side though that's totally totally yeah i'm not even gonna count that yeah. um so like i think he's probably like a 550 plate appearance guy but he could still hit 25 to 30 home runs yeah that. and yeah, still 80 something Categories. 80 yeah. something runs and ribbies. There and is really b- it, batting average uh, fall off though with the strikeouts yeah. and lack of walks for Teoscar. Go ahead. What were um, you going to say there? I was just going to say, and that also like means like, hey, if he does get 650 plate appearances again. Now we're talking back 35? to 116 ribs with yeah, mid 30s like, homers. Yeah. Like there's a war, there's still upside here. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, we were talking rebound is the way I framed it earlier. That's not a rebound, but maybe. A return to 2021 is not impossible. It's just not what we're looking at or something that he needs to do to earn this 131 ADP for Teoscar Hernandez. A repeat um, at, at you know, 590 plate appearances would be totally fine. But there is some potential upside. And then the downside, I think, would be batting average. If he hit 230-something, nobody would be surprised because Teoscar strikes out at a 30-something percent clip and walks under 7%. And that's always tough. So, okay, cool. A decent group there, just not guys that we're landing on. 
Let me know if you talk if you're looking at any of these guys. I know you're landing on one of them a couple times because his price really dropped. But this is the youth movement. We got six guys here, some that have played a bunch last year, some that are really kind of make the, making their first impact this year. Jordan Walker was a big guy that we liked last year. He didn't quite pan out, but he's still st holding steady at 129.80p. So the market saw enough last year, and I agree with it, by the way, to stick with him. I was hoping a bigger discount would come. I wanted an overreaction to the fact that he wasn't a god instantly, but the market's been pretty sharp on him. Evan Carter, 134. We'll talk a good bit about him. Of course, teammate White Langford's there at 170. In between them is Jackson Chorio at 147, fresh with his new deal, meaning he should be playing from day one. And then the two guys that played a ton last year, in addition to Walker, are Riley Green at 174 and James Outman at pick 200. Um, They're a bit more established, but still, you know, young enough to be included in the youth movement here. Let's start with Walker. Again, we were we were pretty interested in him last year. He did not fully pan out, but he was good. Um, I, I think good enough for a rookie year here. The power just was a little bit light with 16 homers and 465 plate appearances. We were hoping at least 20-something. I still think he's a 30-plus home run hitter. Um, plus, he only played 117 games. Are you buying back in on Jordan Walker after last year's, uh, you know, a little bit short of the hype fall. I, I don't want to I don't want to frame it as a disappointment because it wasn't. But he came up a little shy of the hype. Can Jordan Walker take that big step forward in his sophomore campaign? I think he can. I really do. Uh and I think he's gonna see full plate appearances. I don't think that you know he, he just didn't see the playing time especially early on in the season. But once he did he just seemed like he was really, really comfortable. And you know I think one of the fears on Jordan Walker was like, hey, uh he's he's got uh, some holes in his swing, he kind of trouble with strikeouts and batting average. We didn't see that at all. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. he was he was totally fine. You know, it does have a little bit of a launch angle issue, needs to kind of raise that a little bit. But I think another one of those tall guys that kind of gets yeah. on top of the ball, got to sit back, get under a little bit, let that power take over because it's monstrous power for Jordan Walker. Yeah. And it, what you saw in the second half is he did raise it a little bit. He, you know, he, he uh, brought it up to about 14 degrees. I mean, you're talking about maybe a degree or two more, and like all of a sudden, hey, this is a monster 30 home run hitter potential uh, with a little bit of speed. Batting average isn't going to kill you. In that second half, when he raised that launch angle, he was still above league average in zone contact. Like, yeah, I think Jordan Walker is I, the only negative on Jordan Walker for me, at least. Is there isn't a bigger discount? I was really just hoping exactly. he would be a bigger discount, um, but I think he's fairly kind of ranked right now in the ADP. Damn you, sharp market. Yeah, I really wanted the big overreaction. Oh my God, why is he going late 200s? But it's just not happening. Respect to the players out there. But um, yeah, sometimes they piss me off with their sharpness. I want I want the mistake. But uh, you know, I'll pay the 129 for Jordan Walker. I really, really still love him. Fully bought in. I am getting a little cooler on my guy, Evan Carter. I, I love him. I'm excited. I love him as a real life player because he brings defense and that brilliant eye, which certainly helps even in five by five without OBP, the eye helps because you get on base, you score runs. But there's some major platoon risk here that's being underscored. In fact, I want to say that um, Jeff Zimmerman has, had been mentioning it recently. I've, I've been seeing it pop up elsewhere. People are really worried that he's not going to play against lefties, Evan Carter. And that's going to cut into his upside for sure, especially at pick 134. And then Langford is looming. You know, that's the thing too. It's like, where are they going to play all these guys? Because they have 
They have such a great outfield that Langford right now is penciled in as the DH, for God's sakes. Uh, but what's up with, let's go Evan Carter, and then we'll go to Langford, and we'll, we'll circle back to Chorio. Is Carter somebody that you're buying, or do you just rather take Langford at the discount, seeing them somewhat similarly? Because I know some people have suggested that that's how they're approaching it. Um, I don't really put, I mean, I guess I have to put them in the equation together. I, I haven't been as much. Like, I think they will figure out playing time one way or another if both of them are good. Um, are you worried about the potential platoon threat for Carter because he didn't play versus lefties down the stretch and even uh, the few in the playoffs that they faced, he did not start against? Yeah, I'm a little bit worried about that. And I just don't think that, I think people see Evan Carter as, oh, he was a top 10, top 15 prospect. And now he's in the majors and he was great in the playoffs and great in the regular season and, and all that. And they go, look at the, the ceiling's got to be amazing, right? Just because you were a top 20 prospect doesn't mean your ceiling is amazing. I he's think actually he's a top five prospect now, because don't forget, he's yeah. still prospect eligible. No, that's true. Yeah. So he is popping up. But now he's one of the lowest lists that he's on is ours, which released today, which is February 15th. Mm -hmm. If you're not listening to this the day it came out, he's 12th, whereas White Langford is second. But on yeah. the um, Baseball America, four, MLB, five, Baseball Perspectives, four. So they've all put Evan Carter top five. We got him down at 12. It seems like you might be closer to the 12, at least in terms of assessing and, Carter's fantasy value. And don't forget, all of those include defensive value, right? He's he's, yep. a, he's a plus defender. So yep. um, I don't think he's got like this massive ceiling for fantasy that other people do. I think he's got a pretty good hit tool. I think he's got maybe league average power. Um, Is he another... Brian Reynolds with a great OBP and maybe I think he's, he's faster. Yeah. He's faster than Brian Reynolds, but like, um, yeah, like a uh, prime Andrew Penitendi type, like uh, maybe like a guy who can accumulate, but the problem is, will he accumulate? Right. If he's got problems yeah. against lefties, um, if there's just too many bodies there that are overperforming or performing well, like, is he really going to see 600 plus plate appearances this year? I don't know if that's the case. Um, you look at like, obviously super, super small sample zone contact was not good at the major league level. He ran, uh, I'm assuming he ran a really high 412 bat. <laughs> like I, yeah. I can tell it, you like the, the contact skills and the batting average do not equate to each other. So like it had to be just running super hot Babbitt. Um, now I think he could run a higher Babbitt than a lot of other people, uh, because he is sure. fast. And um, he knows Evan Carter knows the zone so well. But we were just uh, so talking about that with the speed. We were just talking about Jordan Walker, um, who had a max exit velocity of 114, which is good, right? Anything above like 112 is what I'm looking for. Um, uh, Evan Carter's max exit velocity uh, in the regular season was 107. Like he does not hit the ball particularly hard. I don't think it's yeah. going to be a lot of power. I think this is a speed and batting average play, but who knows what the batting average is really going to be early on in his career. He's just not a guy I'm interested in, especially at the price. You know, I've already got some shares, as I mentioned. I think I took him in the fall league. Actually, let me pull that up. I took him in the fall league, a DC, and a gladiator for Evan Carter. And I think that's going to be it. You know, I was bought yeah. it. You know, one, most of those were um, during or shortly after the playoffs. So I really 
you know, really got uh, bought in on what he was doing there. I was paying the playoff tax for Evan Carter. And I don't think that those are going to be major flop picks. But the thing of it is, I have one guy that's at 100% roster right now, five out of five. And he actually cuts a very similar figure to our man here. And that's Lars Newbar, who we're going to talk about later. But like, He's a lefty who doesn't have crazy power. Now, he's not as fast, but he's going to bat at the top of the order. He's got crazy OBP, bit of power, bit of speed. And it's like, well, why not just wait and take that guy? Yeah. And I so think I think that's what I just need to be doing there. And I've been taking both in a lot of scenarios, but I think I just need to be waiting, moving off of Carter, take my three shares. I got him in three different kind of league types there with the Gladiator being one of them. A DC, well, I guess a DC and the Arizona Fall League are, are both DCs. But yeah. I think I'm going to move off of him a little bit. It's a little too expensive, and I'm just getting a little bit nervous about some of the flaws there, and I think I was getting getting playoff taxed a little bit. Uh, yeah. So then Langford does come two rounds cheaper, and you took him in a draft where you just got him way cheap, which yeah. I totally understood because you know I think it was shortly uh, after an episode where we had said we're not really taking him at his elevated price, but you got him like two, three rounds later. So it's not like you went that you were being a hypocrite. He, he had dropped. Yeah. So at a 170 ADP, first off, I don't know how that how long that's going to hold. I'm concerned that he is going to be a spring training helium guy for sure, especially if they start talking about breaking camp. But where are you at on White Langford right now? Now that you have a couple shares and we're about we're on the cusp of spring training, uh, I, I think I'm fine with a price right now because I do think he's going to be up early, and I think there is a chance he could make the opening roster. I don't think it's a very mm -hmm. good chance though, because like we said. Texas stack, like, yeah. you know, and I do think that considering what Evan Carter did at the end of the season, um, that he will get the opportunity uh, first. Um, so now, of course, like I said, like if let's say both Evan Carter and Wyatt Langford are just tearing the cover off the ball uh, in spring, and it's clear that both need to be in the major leagues, they'll figure it out. Like, they'll, mm -hmm. you know, Langford can be the DH, you know, and then, you know, give guys days off in the outfield. Where do you um, suspect those prices would go, though? If they are both clicking in spring, they're not going to be 135 and 170. Langford's going to be top 50 for sure. Uh, and yeah, I, I would assume Evan Carter um, could, too. Like, yeah. Langford will be this year's Volpe. Or J Rod oh, yeah. is a good example yeah. too. I like that. But yeah, they'll both zoom up into the top 100 easily. And I agree with you that Langford, I think Langford will bypass Carter at that point. If it's looking yeah, like he absolutely. has a bead on a break, uh, on breaking camp, then boom, Langford's going to shoot above him. Now, if, if things are going like that, is Langford on your board? Yeah. Um, I don't know if he's on my board that high. Okay. Like that's, I mean, you are you're asking a guy who was just playing you know college ball a minute ago to like just like give me top 50 production like because when when we're talking about top 50 production like we're talking about i'm passing on his teammate adoles garcia i'm passing mm -hmm. on randy rosarena um i'm you know passing on cody ballinger and mike trout you know josh Lowe. like can, can we really reasonably expect um, him to produce at the level of those guys. Um, Even a guy I put on my bus list, Nolan Jones, I think I'd rather take than Langford at that price point. 
Yeah, and I don't want I Jones so. at pick 60, but I'm just saying if they're both there, I think I go with the Colorado guy who just put up a 2020 in the yeah. majors. So I love Langford. There's a lot to like about him, but push come to shove. I don't find, I don't think I'm going to have him on too many teams because I think the price only goes up from here. I'll take my Carter shares I think, that I have and move on. I think on. the question becomes, would you be willing to take him above the tier we just talked about? The Castellanos, Lane Thomas, George Springer tier. I'm open to it. I think I would. I am open to it. Again, in that zone, I haven't usually been taking outfielders, which is why I don't have those four. But if it happens where I'm like, okay, I've only got one outfielder, would I take Langford at pick 107? I and think so. We should double back because there's a guy you missed. Who did um, I miss? Say a Suzuki. Oh my God, how did I miss one of our favorites? Actually, he's supposed to be in the top, in the, yeah. could be a top 100 guy. Yes. What's his ADP right now? His ADP since the beginning of the year is 113. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's, yes, we need to double back on him because that's a big miss there. I love Say Suzuki. Let me just say, rinse and repeat everything I said last year. I'm fully bought in still. That late yeah. oblique injury scared both of us off. And I think we were right to do that because he did take some time to get going, but he finished the season the way we had both really hoped for Say Suzuki. And I'm fully back in this year. If you're talking about Suzuki versus Langford, I think I'm going Suzuki there. If Langford's price rises to that level, yeah. I, I mean, I, I feel like this is starting to become a little bit of like Charlie Brown trying to kick a football. But With I Suzuki? honest, yeah, because like this is now this will now be like the third year in a row where it's well. Like, how hyped were was he in in year one? I honestly don't remember. I think he I was pretty hyped. Yeah. Okay, I wasn't super in, so I don't have a great memory of, and of I, where he was. I wasn't necessarily in on him because I'm. I'm not usually in on, at least I don't, maybe someone can remind me if I wasn't. We were in on Kim year one. Yeah, we were. Um, he was pretty cheap, but we were in on Kim year one. But that, I was definitely, I was super hyped on him last year. Yeah, uh, we loved Suzuki last year. Um, and I and I am too this year. Um, I don't have a ton of shares yet because I feel like a lot of people feel kind of the same way I do. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think if we talk about that tier we were just talking about that he's in, like he's at the top of it for me. Yeah. Um, I'd rather have him over Castellanos. I'd rather have him over Springer and Lane Thomas and Teoscar. Yeah, he's he's on top of it by ADP, but also by interest for both of us. So great call doubling back there to say Suzuki. Definitely love him. He could easily be a top 100 type guy. Jackson Chorio has not played a major league game, but got the big deal from Milwaukee. There's no reason to push him to the minors right now, I guess, unless he looks like absolute dog shit in spring or something. I don't know. I, honestly, I don't even know. Like, I think he'd have to look so bad because why not just let him train or, you know, figure it out at the major league level? I guess if they think he's just so overmatched. But then you go back to like, well, then would they have given him an eight-year deal? I don't know. So we're planning as though he's going to break camp. How do we feel about Jackson Chorio at this pick price? of 147 which put a green arrow next to it because he's another guy that we start seeing a few spring homers that shit's going way up um are you in right now and will you be in on the surge if he if jackson chorio is a top 100 guy i really want to see how he looks in spring um i haven't taken the gamble like i know he made a lot of improvements last year and kind of tightened up some holes in his swing but like he struck out at a 42 percent rate double a his first go around like and he is never well, he, he touched AAA last year. So, like, literally six games, 24 plate appearances. I don't care about that at all. Um, and I don't know for sure that he is guaranteed to be on the opening day roster. I think he should be. They gave him the money, um, and Milwaukee doesn't give money to anybody. 
Um, so like they don't even pay their guys, the ones that are no, no, just kidding. Yeah, um, right. Like, so what, what would, cause I, I agree. It's not, it's not guaranteed, right? Just cause the contract there, we're not going to say it's a hundred percent, but do you think you'd have to have like a 35, 40% K rate in spring and just look so overmatched that they'd be nervous about yeah. bringing him up? Is that what you're thinking for Chorio? Yeah. And so I okay. want to see, like, if he's not doing that, then I'm in. Um, yeah. And I think he will. He's another one of these guys could be top 50. Um, in mm-hmm. terms of, like, you know, you look at what he did at AAA last year. He had 280, 22 home runs, 43 stolen bases. Like, this is, if if he can make even just league average contact, um, he is a potential superstar. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm totally fine when that price goes up because the price is going to go up because we know he's on the major league roster and he's looking at the spring. So yeah. Um, Chorio went 22 44 last year in double and triple a mostly double. So that's the thing too. He's essentially skipping triple a if he makes the yeah, roster. He 24 play appearance triple a. Yeah. So, you know, that's how much they think this 20 year old is electric though. So it's a big endorsement of Chorio. And I'm really curious to see how his uh, spring price develops here at 147 right now. We'll see where it goes. Let's talk about the two, uh, left-handed guys who basically played a lot last year and are a little bit more established here rally green 174 he is coming off the big injury uh with the uh, with the tommy john but obviously hitter tommy john isn't as big of a deal and then james outman at 200 are you drafting riley green as a late two uh, late 100s pick nope because of the tommy john no because i don't think he's a very good fantasy commodity that's rude. That hurts my feelings. I mean, I, I've I've said this is you know the entire every time we've talked about Riley Green, I said the exact same thing. This is mm-hmm. like prime Melky Cabrera, which is fine. Yeah. It's but it's not like when you're talking about going around guys that have like major upsides. Um, you know, like going right next to Wyatt Langford. Give me Wyatt Langford all day long. Like, uh, there's nothing wrong with Riley Green. I don't think Riley Green hurts you necessarily. But I don't think he helps you either. He's Brian Reynolds. He he is a diet Brian Reynolds. Because you don't think he has as much power as Brian Reynolds? No. Yeah, okay, that's fair. The Melky Cabrera comp works. I was just trying to bring it yeah. current. But yeah, it, it's in that vein. And honestly, I I have agreed. Um, you know, I make the joke because I'm a Tigers fan, but like even when he, you know, he's coming up and people talking about him like a Michael Brantley type, I'm like, yeah, he had 288 this year, which was cool. But I just don't know. Exactly. He needed a huge bat. He's he's not. He does not strike me as that Michael Brantley type, even though he's kind of drawing those comps. His strikeout rates are upper 20s, 29 in, in 2022 and 27 last year. So, you know, 93 and 99 games. So he got about 100 or not about. He has 192 games under his belt, just over a full season. And he went 16 and eight in that time. And that's with 834 plate appearances. So you're right. Like the fantasy juice just isn't there. Even if you believe that the Tigers can get better this year, which I do, and I'm hopeful of that as a Tigers fan, I don't think the runs and ribbies are going to be off the charts. I think the runs could push into the 90s, but I don't know if the ribbies are going to be there because there's not that many guys that are going to be on base consistently. So I'm with you. I want him to be good. I'll be rooting for him, of course, as a Tigers fan, but he's not the Tiger that I'm gambling on. I'll take some torque shares. You know, I love Kerry Carpenter as a big guy for me last year. Tariq Skubal at that super high price, I'm willing to take the gamble on. But Green, it's just not for me to pick 174. What about James Outman? We talked a little bit about the Dodgers there with Teoscar. Um, you know, he is a lefty, so there is some platoon threat because that's just kind of always the case with the Dodgers outside of their four superstars there, Betts, Freeman, Otani, and Smith at the top. Everyone else has platoon risk, and their entire bench is right-handed. So, 
your Chris Taylor, your Manuel Margot, they're both a threat to take uh, that time from Outman when he's not facing lefties. But he did a lot of good last year. Did James Outman impress you enough last year to, to pay for him at pick 200, which I think is pretty fair after a 23-16 rookie season? Yeah, I worry that there's some batting average downside on Outman. Uh, like he had 248. Agreed. 343 Babip just feels high. Um, check his XBA last year. 228 XBA. That feels probably kind of in line. With what, what was the XBA? I'm sorry. 228. Yeah. And like hit 248 last year, needed that big Babip to smother a 32% mm-hmm. K rate for Outman. That's the thing. And he went yeah. through that big low. Remember, he started like a house on fire. Mm-hmm. hit the skids big time and then close strong. So I like that he adjusted like that. He gets a lot of credit from me for that, for sure. finishing pretty strong after the wretched May and June. But I still worry about the batting average as well. I'm totally with you. I am building. If I if I want Altman on my team, I'm making sure I got the batting average foundation to take a 220 from him because that's I, I might get that. Yeah, I just worry about like. He's got batting average downside. He's got platoon downside because they their whole bench is righties. Yeah. Um, and he's on the Dodgers. Like what I just said with Teoscar, like holds just as true for Outman, especially because Outman's got options. So like Outman could easily be like, hey, they bring someone in halfway of the season. They uh, they decide that like, oh, he's really struggling. Outman could go down really easily. There is a world, right? Like. We're talking about so, that with somebody like Ellie De La Cruz. James Outman, I think, is has plenty of that kind of risk. Yeah. I, I, and 20, I like Outman from a exactly. perspective. But, you have, but you there's have a to lot entertain, of risk. You have to acknowledge all sides of it. We, we both like him. But that doesn't mean that we're going to be blind to the potential pitfalls here. And when you strike out that much, you can go in these crazy lulls. And he yeah. was lucky to kind of survive last year because he put up a 550 OBP through May and June. 552 and 551. With two homers like he was dreadful but they they hung on he made the adjustments and closed strong like i said 851 in the second half but there is some risk there at least it's baked into the price at pick 200 i do like that because um i could have easily seen somebody like outman being a dodger having had a good year be somewhere in like the pick 125 range that wouldn't have surprised me so we didn't get our discount on walker but i think we are getting a pretty fair price on outman so if you like him Feel free to take them. Just know that there is heavy, heavy risk. There. If I know a lot of people are drafting draft champions right now. This is mm-hmm. not a draft champions guy. This is it's a, too scary. It because you want to be able to drop him. Yep. Um, In case things go sideways. This is a perfect ten and twelve team guy. End of your end of your roster in a ten and twelve um, team league, like because you know he's easy to drop. You know, if they're if they're going on a road trip and it's like, oh, they're facing like, you know, four lefties this week. Well, I'm going to drop him. I'll go pick up someone else. Right? Yes. You know, don't be uh, afraid to do that in those. You got to burn and churn. Somebody might pick up Outman while you're doing that. You're playing for the here and now in those leagues. You can't get caught up with your post 200 pick he, type guys. There's only three guys in the Dodgers projected lineup with uh, options right now. The other two are Gavin Lux and Will Smith. Will Smith is not going Ain't to get options. Yeah. And I don't think Gavin Lux necessarily is either. As long as so he's healthy. If they need to bring someone up, it is Outman. It's Outman or a pitcher. And after a while, you might run out yeah. of pitchers to do that with. So yeah, that's a great call. Just be careful with them. It's a fair price, but do not overload because this could go sideways. There are ways it can. Now, if you are drafting James Outman, 
uh, or like a Kyle Schwarber we talked about earlier or Teoscar Hernandez or basically any of these batting average risks, you could find some late average. It is difficult to find and there's going to be warts with all five of these guys, but these are some guys that could bring you some late batting average. Masataki Yoshida at pick 192, Brandon Nimmo at 197, Stephen Kwan at 212, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. at 233, and newcomer to your favorite team, the Giants, Jung-Hoo Lee at 256. Now, we don't really know about him, but the one thing uh, based on his, his work over in Korea, it looks like he will be a heavy contact guy who could bring some nice batting average. It's unproven, but that is what I'm banking on for from him. Um, so let's start with Yoshida. He's going to be DHing this year, which is a transition. His defense is so bad, they've already said he's going to be the primary DH. Uh, but hey, just focus on hitting. Great debut. 15 and 8 with a 289. You can't really get too bummed about that. Uh, that's pretty nice for Yoshida. Are you excited about the, the follow-up year for him? I will point out, just small sample here, but I will point out in his 205 plate appearances as a DH. It was a 705 OPS versus 832 when he was playing left field. There is a DH penalty. This is a little bit more severe than the normal 10% that is observed. But do you have some concerns about Yoshida as a full-time DH? Or do you think he'll figure it out and continue to be a nice batting average guy with a little sprinkle of homer and, and speed? Somewhat like the guy he's basically replacing, Alex Verdugo. The problem is a lot of these guys that we're about to talk about lead off. And Sheeta mm -hmm. doesn't. Sheeta's not going to. Um, and and highlight why you, you're saying, because with batting average, you want the guys that are going to put that volume to make that batting average have yeah. more impact. And because you get a bunch of runs. Yeah, also, that's the ancillary right. benefit, of yeah. course, too. Exactly, exactly. And Yoshida's not going to do that. So now you get a guy who doesn't have, like, a ton of speed and isn't even going to be in a, like, he's, probably projected about fifth or sixth. Right That's now. where we have right now is fifth. Yep. Like, so is he running by Raphael Devers in the, the like, story, middle lineup? Like, yeah. yeah, no. So, um, yeah, I just don't think this is like a really well set up position. for Yoshida. And he's the most expensive here too. So even if you yeah. like this group and you kind of see them similarly, why would you take the most expensive one when he's got some flaws? Let's talk Nimmo because he leads off and that is one of his best traits because he also brings a strong walk rate with it. And, you know, I know the Mets aren't getting the hype anymore, but that's probably better for them. It seems whenever they get hype is when things fall apart. So maybe as as kind of the forgotten team, maybe this is the year that things really get going for them. But, you know, lost in the mix of their dog shit season was Nimmo popping off because he continued to have a great WRC plus, which he's done now for the last four seasons. But he jumped from 16 to 24 homers. And that was a huge jump up for him. Hit hit another 274, stolen bases. He doesn't really do anything there. You're getting two to two to five. Um, and then the runs did drop because the team was worse, 102 to 89. But the 24 homers, what do we think about that? Is this a new level for Brandon Nimmo or just a hot spike? It wasn't a crazy homer to fly ball jump from 11 to 14%. Can he repeat and stay in the mid-20s here for Nimmo? Uh, it wasn't even like a max exit velocity jump. He did hit the ball harder more consistently and he raised his launch angle a little bit maybe that is enough i don't think i think i would i think i'm my projection on him has him around like 18 home runs yeah um it, you kind of split the difference a little bit i think that yeah. that's the safe move there and then if you get another 20 plus from nimmo you're, you're, you're fine with it yeah but you bank on 18 to 19 but the big thing about nimmo isn't the power it's the playing time. It is yes. two straight seasons of 670 plate appearances or more. Um, like, 
you know, and I know he had a shoulder injury towards the end of the season, uh, but the Mets have said that that is uh, that he's completely healthy, ready to go. All systems go. Yeah, like um, you're talking about a guy who's going to lead off, has some pop. Uh, you know, he's never really run, so you don't worry about that. But like 100 runs scored with a good batting average is in the cards for a guy like Nimmo. Um, I know it was only 89 last year, but the Mets were just a mess. Um, yeah, exactly. You you got to think at least the top half of that lineup is going to like be more consistent, especially with how good Lindor was last year and how great Alonzo is every year. So, yes. um, I'm, yeah, I, I, I don't understand this ADP to be quite I, honest. I love I, it. And I, I, I know I'm fine, trying yeah. to make everyone this guy, but <laughs> isn't he Brian Reynolds minus 10 steals? Did I finally yeah. find the right copy? I think you found Reynolds the guy. Here? Yeah, I think you found uh, the guy. You know, minus the 10 steals because Reynolds will give you a bit more speed, but it's also 100 picks cheaper. Yeah. So th this is not a Reynolds disc, by the way, but I I'll take both on a team, to be yeah. honest. Um, I think obviously Nemo with, you know, previous like back injuries and now a shoulder issue, like there is more risk, risk. Yeah. but like, I don't think, I think this is overplaying that risk with this ADP. Yeah. With a 100 pick difference between he and, and Reynolds, it is overplaying and I totally agree. So I love Brandon Nemo. I'm in on him there. Steven Kwan's a type that I'm not usually that interested in. He actually reminds me of an outfield version of Nemo's teammate, Jeff McNeil. I know McNeil also plays outfield, but primarily known as like a second baseman. But with Quan, like he's a good real life player. I'd take him on any team I was I was creating because he's gonna give me great defense. He's a grinder. You know, he pumps out that that playing time, 638, 718 plate appearances in his two seasons. The batting average did dip last year. I think it was pretty much Babbitt related, dropping from 323 to 294, but he lost 30 points of batting average. That said, I still think he's an oasis that you find in the um in the late 100s, early 200s for some batting average with 20 something steals or i guess upper teens low 20s he's 19 and 21 the last two years is that worth it for you uh for stephen kwan being that he's a zero in the power categories as runs 18 to 21 steals and uh, let's call it let's call him a 280 guy well let's split the difference here as well is that enough for you to take kwan at 212. um if i desperately need batting average uh um, okay because i do think that like he is probably a you know a mix of what we saw within the last two seasons so like i don't think it's a 300 guy but i also don't think he's a 260 guy so like 280 like i think yeah, 280 you, you is, just you just easily split the difference on yeah like this. um you know so i think his his xba was 282 that seems right uh so if you need that batting average and that speed i get it but I don't love taking, especially with how hard power is defined, like if I'm power deficient at all, or I'm even just like tracking nicely on power, like you then have to reach on, like redouble you your up, efforts. Yep. You're going to have to like give up the batting average to take a bad, you know, a power guy who is a batting, batting average single later. So like why then? This is why I don't take these guys. I, I just, I don't like it. I have to kind of have the plan set at the beginning. Maybe that speaks to my management where I'm not good at adjusting on the fly with these guys, but I just don't want to mess with it. And yeah. so that's why I don't end up with the quant types because I don't want to have to be like, okay, now I got to redouble the efforts yeah. on the power. And then like you said, what kind of power am I going to get late? Ones with shitty batting average. So I just absorb. He, he's one of those average. guys you pair with Schwerber. Like, it's yeah. like Again, but, and you make that plan. You say, okay, I got Schwarber. Now here's a list of five batting average guys. I need one or two of them to join this team. The to, only to problem with that up. is, so years ago, um, there was uh, 
years and years ago, there was a lot of talk about, oh, I'm just going to pair Chris Carter I, oh. with, uh, was it Juan Pierre or someone like yeah, that? Yeah, but I thought you were going to, there's a more recent one, and I did it one year, and it it fucking blew up my face so badly. It was Chris Davis, Chris with a K, oh, okay. and Billy Hamilton. Okay, yeah. And so, I took them back to back. Same concept that you're talking about. So the problem with that becomes if one of those guys gets hurt, if one of those guys busts completely, all of a sudden you're screwed. Um, yep. Now, I think that these are better options to do it with because I don't think anybody thinks that, like, unless Kyle Schwarber gets hurt, like, like I don't think anybody thinks that he's not going to hit for power and he's got a contract yeah. he's going to play. His skills are well-established. You know, um, I don't think there's like the they tried me out in the outfield in Cleveland last year. Like, I don't think there's any reason to think that Stephen Kwan's losing his job or is going to Nolan fall Jones type. I wonder what he would look like in Cleveland. Yeah, I, I, I can't he imagine it. Decent. Never mind. Um, I can't imagine that. So, uh, I think that the, this is a less risky proposition, but it still has risk because mm -hmm. what if you know last year Stephen Kwan got some bad Babbitt luck? What if he just yep. gets bad Babbitt luck again? You know, um, what if Kyle Schwarber's batting average is just so bad it doesn't matter what season one is to raise? Exactly. So, um, you know, or like I said, if one of them gets hurt, all of a sudden you have a really imbalanced team that's hard to rectify in season. So that your point is well taken on this being a, a better way to do it, though, because when I did that Davis um, Hamilton gambit, it was like a fifth, sixth round to elbow. It was yeah. really bad, dude. Like they were expensive mm -hmm. too. But here, you know, you're talking uh, 92nd round, what's that? Or 92nd pick, that's gonna be sixth round, but then all the way down into the 200s for Quan, then you're talking like 15th round. So it, yeah. it is an easier game, but you're right. It comes with a lot of risk, so be careful. What about Lourdes Gurriel Jr.? He spiked a nice season here. He was a big reason, kind of an unheralded reason why uh, Arizona was so good. You know, he jumped back up in the power. He had 21 homers in 2021, then five in 2022. And that didn't make sense to me. I will say that this was a guy I was like, the 4% homer to fly ball has to be the main culprit here. And it was, he got back to 15%, which is his career mark. And lo and behold, he hit 24 homers again. So that was fantastic uh, with 82 ribbies. He was basically right back to the guy that we had seen in 2021 uh, was Lourdes Gurriel Jr. with Arizona. Is he, is he living there now? Can he plateau here and put together back-to-back -back quality seasons like this? And if so, are you interested in Gurriel Jr.? Yeah, I don't know why he can't. Um... Uh, you know, I, maybe the 24 home runs is a bit uh, lofty. You know, max exit velocity 109 last year, uh, and I mean, he's never or he hasn't had a max exit velocity of 110 since his rookie season. Projections agree there, but then they also tack on some to the batting average because he hit 261 yeah. last year. So they say give back six, seven homers, but get. 15 points of batting average do you see it similarly to that so like 16 17 homers but a 277 to 283 average i think that that is in the range of outcomes i still think that feels a little lofty i mean xba last year was 262 now he makes a lot of zone contact so like he had the best zone contact of his entire career last year at 92.3 percent that is elite like that can is, i ask a question and, on xba real yeah. quick yeah does it take into account the babbit that you put up or does it give you any credit for like where your babbits live because he had a career low 282 and when he's a 316 career guy Gary, i believe it takes into account his ex babbit what his babbit should have been okay. based on 
the batter bro profile. Okay, so, okay, cool. So you were uh, saying you had 92% zone contact. That's premium, premium. Yeah, it's great. It's fantastic. Um, so I think that in his thing, I, when a guy makes a lot of contact like that, you give yourself the opportunity to get lucky. And so yes. I think maybe the projections are going, Hey, listen, he makes a lot of contact. He may get lucky. Um, I don't know that I love the idea of projecting it that way. Um, but uh, I think that that is totally fine. For, and I think they're priced to do that right at two thirty three. Yeah. I think I would probably project him to have a higher average than last year, okay. but maybe not quite as, yeah, not quite as high. So maybe low two seventies where okay. the other projection systems um, are 280, 277. Like I'm, I'm more like a 271, 272 type of uh, projection, which is fine because if that he, works, yeah. like we go 20 home runs, 270, um, you know, he's going to play every day. They just paid him. So like, uh, I think that's totally fine. It nothing jumps for joy, but this is another Brian Reynolds type of. Yeah, it really is. I wasn't gonna do it, but it's the first thing I thought. I, yeah, dude. I feel like I feel like the episode should be titled "The Brian Reynolds Episode." The Brian Reynolds uh, preview. <laughs> Just everyone goes seen through the prism of Brian Reynolds here. Uh, and then let's talk about your new guy. We haven't talked since he signed, and uh, truthfully, I do not remember exactly what we said. I had mentioned I, I did do a little back padding on that that I had taken Jung Hoo Lee with the last pick in a Gladiator before he had signed so mm -hmm. I, was, I was a little you know feeling myself on that one i'm pretty excited about that obviously the price is much higher now but not egregious at 256 again he comes over from the kbo i think his batting average will be the best thing that translates he doesn't strike out can take some walks has flashed power but it really did fall off last year uh down to a 136 iso so i don't know what to make of the power but where are we at on jung hu lee coming over at age 25 do you think he can be a nice batting average type guy for your ball club I don't know. I really don't know. Like this is, and then one of the reasons I stay away from these guys is um, especially when they're coming over from Korea is uh, we just don't know how good the level of pitching they've been facing is like, it's, it's typically like double a ish. Um, mm. So like, yeah, guys can do hit for good batting average, but if he wasn't in for a bunch of power <laughs> against double a guys, like, and now he's going to San Francisco, where it's hard to hit for power to begin with. Like I like my projection for him, uh, it's non-existent right now, but it will not be double digit home runs. That's what I was going to um, say. I think I'll be single digit. He's got double digits from the systems right now. They're all around that 10, 11 mark. I think I'm closer to seven, eight. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think six, seven for me. Um, you know, a handful. I think of the average bases. will translate though. Because I hope it does. And they said that they want him to lead off. Exactly. That's where we have him penciled in, too, for Jung Hooli. Single-digit strikeout rates. Like, you don't just – you're not going to lose that coming over to the States. 3% swinging strike rates. This dude knows what he's doing, making contact. I'll be curious to see how well his walk rate translates. It's been yeah. double digits the last three years for Jung Hooli. Will he be challenged here in the States because that power is lacking and thus not walk as much? I don't know, but if he's putting the ball in play a ton, gets that Babbitt, you know, a, a strong Babbitt, I think he is a two hit, 280 something type guy. So I like him from that front. I think this price is fair. Obviously, I liked him more as the last pick in the draft, but that was before he was signed anywhere. And some people probably didn't even know who the hell he was, let's be honest. Yeah. But I think seven 
here's the linchpin of whether or not we're going to have a star type season, I think, from Jung Hooli. What do you think the steals are going to be? Could he come over and just kind of really yeah. shock us? Because he's been a double digit guy in the past, but only five two years ago and six last year. Could he adapt to the new major league game and, and put up 15? Like, what do you think? There? I know it's I know it's an unknown, so you don't know, but what do you yeah. think is going to happen there? I honestly don't know. Like, I really, really don't know. Um, you know, like, I'm, I'm really just paying attention to, like, what the organization's saying about him, and then he'll be one of those guys that, like, I don't care. Like, I've, I'll say this over and over again until start of the season. I don't really care about spring training. Like, I really don't. You don't like really care about what? Spring training. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I, I really, Overall, really don't. But yeah. there's elements of it that matter. And there are certain guys that I've circled, and mm -hmm. John Lee is going to be one of them, right? Like, he's going to be a guy that I, like, okay, I need to see what he's doing. Um, you know, because I have – my big fear with him is pitchers are going to go, we're just going to knock the bat out of your hand. That's like, exactly my concern, yep. You know, we're just, we're just going to throw it right down the center and see if you can hit major league pitching. Now, if you can, like I – I don't think there's a middle area for Chung Ho Lee. I think he's either going to be really good or really bad. Um, and I think, but I think we'll know fairly quickly, right? Like if he's, you know, hitting the ball, making a lot of contact, not striking out, like, um, and getting on base, like, okay, this could be really good. Like he could be this year's Cedric Mullins, this year's TJ Friedel, not from a power perspective, but from a, I'm leading off and you're getting me after pick 250. Um, I disagree on no middle ground only because. With that kind of strikeout rate, again, I expect that to translate a good bit, and I don't think that he's just going to be a total nothing burger. Yeah, it could be bland and and pretty pretty nondescript for fantasy, but I think at the very least, if y'all are playing him every day as you should, even if he doesn't, even if he lowers in the lineup because it's not quite working, if it's a five seven percent strikeout rate. He could be hitting a bland ass 270 with like a 92 WRC plus and single digit steals and homers. That would be boring and not very good, but I don't think that's a bottom out. I'd be surprised if he bottomed out. So that's, that's my only my only little quibble there. Well, I that, wouldn't be surprised if he bottomed out. If he, if he can't make contact at a very good rate and he doesn't have power of speed, all of a sudden he's just a nothing. Can you think of anybody though that even in the minors put up these kind of strikeout rates and then came up to the majors and couldn't do anything with it? Like even like David Magical. Hasn't he been injured though? How what kind of what kind of volume does he have? Because that's actually that's a good name. That's a good name to to counter me with. Um he hasn't had 300 plate appearances in a season yet, though. And to, to re-counter, 846 plate appearances of a 280 average. So right in line with what I'm saying, but that's but on the one of the reasons. One of the reasons why he has another plate appearance is because he's just not very good. No, I think it's more health. Your health. Well, not really. I'm I have terrible health, but yeah, uh, that's right. I'm getting I'm getting by. I think David Fletcher is somebody I think about. Um, and again, if he's David Fletcher, that's boring as shit. I don't yeah. want that. But and, I think, but, and and that's what I mean. Like I don't think like he's. I can't imagine a world in which he gets sent down or something like that, but like, yeah, or stops and, playing because he's got the contract. So like, uh, but like, are you going to regret using that pick? I think there's a very good likelihood you do. Um, at and, that price point, I won't. I think Jung Hoo Lee taking the gamble because I could get because a you can draw average. Him. Yeah, right. so. if he stinks at two fifty six, I can cut him four weeks into the season. 
I'm not, I'm not worried about that. Yeah. Two weeks, even once, once you get to that point, if it's really not working and they truly are knocking the bat out of his hand. Okay. I move on two weeks in. So that's why I don't I, think he's a, I think out type. like if he moves out of the leadoff spot, like that's, the that'd sign. be scary. Like, like just drop him like immediately. Yep. That, that would be, that would be the scary part. All right. Let's get to some power speed types here. Uh, this might be our last here for today because it's a thick one. Uh, but we got, a lot of your faves here. TJ Friedel at 156. Ian Happ, a show favorite at 158. Chaz McCormick at 171. Christopher Morell at 209. Dalton Varsho at 214, who we have discussed. Tyler O'Neill at 225 in his new place. Jared Kelnick, a favorite of yours, 227. I got some interesting news on him in a moment. And then Jack mm-hmm. Sawinski at 245. Let's talk about the two guys that are right in this 150 range here, 156 and 158, Friedel and Happ. You nailed it last year, right? Our boys are Friedel and Fraley. To be honest, I I, if, I don't want to jump on your train here because you you won with Friedel, but Fraley was good. He just didn't play. He was good he when got, he played. He I got think. hurt, and then they the team thickened up in terms of talent. So. Exactly, but I think both of our guys panned out. It was definitely a bigger pan out for Friedel though at eighteen to, uh, twenty seven with a two seventy nine average. What's he do for an encore? Um, like. It's hard to say that like he's gonna just repeat, um, but like, but you kind of think he is. I think he definitely could. Like, yeah, right now, like the projections have him just like pretty much just losing stolen bases. Like, I don't know why. I'm not like, sure why either. Like, I I mean, like you know, maybe I'll project a little bit lower than 27. Like, but like, like uh, 25. Like uh, he's a 15 25 guy. Like fine. Like in you know and. Um, with a decent batting average, like you know, like all the projected systems have him losing batting average. Uh, why? Like it's not like he had a three hundred eight Babbitt. Like he didn't like get like super lucky or anything. Like and why twenty points? Yeah, like I, he had a ninety point five percent zone contact. That's great. He leads off for one of the best young offenses in baseball, uh, and in the best park to hit in baseball, like. Okay, fine. Like, this is a totally fine ADP, uh, mm-hmm. one that I will definitely, like, I haven't got him in every draft because, like, we're we're still talking about a 10th-round pick in a 15-team league. But, like, yeah, like, it's it's totally fine. Yeah, I, I, I co-sign that. I will take Friedel. I don't think it's as big of a jump in price as it could have been. Again, coming off a great season, sometimes the fantasy community overreacts. I think this is a fair jump and I will pay this premium. Uh, kind of reverse the power and speed for these two, but Hap basically you know, did did something similar there. Now the average was different, but again, from the power and speed standpoint, he went 21 homers, 14 steals, hit 248, but that was with a 299 uh, BABIP. He takes a bunch of walks too. So he gets on base, 86 runs, 84 ribbies, just a hell of a season there that I think uh, he did enough to work around the 248 average. How do we feel about Ian Happ going into uh, his age 29 season with the Cubbies? Um. I feel like Ian Happ is just disrespected every year. Yeah. Like I just like, he's totally like, he's not a superstar. Maybe people thought he was going to turn into a superstar because he had those home runs. Like, you know, the maybe first, because like, they listened to our show and yeah. said, our dumbasses <laughs> when he opened the season with like a first pitch Homer, we were like, yeah. we got this call, right? We are geniuses. We are the best <laughs> fantasy players ever. It was our most, our, our quickest victory lap ever. And it, we deserve to have that blow up spectacularly in our faces. Well, it's we just great just excited. because 
the first the first one or the first the first live episode where we had games last year was Michael Kopech giving up <laughs> 17 home runs. So like you know, I, I feel like I ate my crow in that. Exactly, uh, we, we we took that heat. But yeah, I agree. Like Hap is a bit overlooked, and it, it, I think it might be because people expected more, and he's just a really solid player. But again, that's reflected in the price. It's like yeah. a 155, 160 ADP. So this is what you get for that. That's totally fine. Um, do you believe good lineup? Like, uh, do you believe in the in the speed jump? It's only five steals, but when you only steal nine, that is a big jump. Do you think the new rules are why he was able yeah. to get up up there? Yeah, that's where I'm at yeah. too with with uh, I, Hap. I think I think twenty homers, twelve stolen bases. You know, I think he got unlucky in Babbitt last year. Not like yeah. Where do you put the average? He has a two forty nine career, fifty something. Okay, yeah, so, I think he can trickle up a little bit. It will be dependent on his Babbitt. I think he goes as made, his Babbitt goes. He's made incremental gains in zone contact pretty much every year of his career, and last year was his best year where he's he's at league average. So like, he should have a league average batting average type thing, two fifty, two fifty five, something like that. Twenty something home runs, a bunch of runs, RBIs, like. I think he's totally solid. I think he's a Brian Reynolds type. No, 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 no. I wasn't going to say it, but it really is. It's Brian Reynolds with a little bit less batting average, right? Everyone's Brian Reynolds' butt, and then we can fill in the blank there. But yeah, he's probably just a a lower batting average type, but other than that, I'll tell you what, again, it's a meme, but like this next guy is fucking American League Brian Reynolds, Chaz McCormick, at least based off the season he had last year. So the big question is, can he do it again? Because he went 273, 22, 19 with 59 runs and 70 ribbies. That's where he's really not uh, Brian Reynolds either because the volume isn't there. So that, that's a better way to put it is that he's low volume. But anyway, the joke aside on the Brian Reynolds thing, can you paint a picture of Chaz McCormick improving though? Because he only had 115 games. What if he pushes 600 plus plate appearances? Could he be, dare I say, a 30-30 guy? Is that crazy? I mean, that's extrapolating, but... Is that even on the table? Do you think 600 plate appearances are in the cards now that Dusty Baker's gone and not around to call him fat? I think it is. Like, this is crazy. Like, Chaz McCormick's a guy, like, I've just kind of discounted for years. But, like, like it's he, because he doesn't have good spring trainings because it's tax season. And that's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's a deep cut Makes joke. Sense, yeah. But people will get that. Yes. So he's busy during spring training. Mm-hmm. You can't expect him to go out there and rake. Yeah, that's why Kyle Gibson struggles until like he stops mowing lawns, right? <laughs> exactly. Ah. He's doing his side job of, of our taxes. So maybe that's it with McCormick. But like you look at this volume here, and yeah, if he if he can get to the 600, why couldn't he be a god? I don't think the power is going to be there necessarily, but I think the okay. speed definitely could be. This also has the makings of like this was his best season. Like, True. You know, like, you know, like... um. And you look at all the projection systems, they're giving in more plate appearances and they're like, but we're taking everything else back. Exactly. Um, Which I totally understand that. And that's why I was p- pointed out that it is extrapolation. That's always dangerous. Yeah. We always push back against that and say, be careful. But the only reason I do it is because he's 457 last year was a career high in plate appearances for Chaz McCormick. And I just can dream a little bit if he gets up to 580, 600, that maybe not 30, 30, but even like. 25 22 which would be small gains that, last that's year. where that's where i think like that's 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 the best outcome right that'd there. be hot like, like 109 max velocity it's not real interesting he doesn't have super high sprint speeds um but like if he could just volume if he could volume like i could see like yeah 22 20 season 
um, mm-hmm. with you know a decent batting average. Uh, like all the projections at some time come back down the batting average. I kind of tend to agree a little bit, sure, um, because he is like below zone content. Honestly, I I kind of agree with the projection systems, except for in the plate appearances. I think he's going to get opportunities this year. Um, so, and I'm fine with that. One seventy one. This these projections work for McCormick. Yeah. I just want to point out that there is at least some volume upside. If he yeah. if he takes 2023 and applies it to 600 plate appearances, voila, you can get some upside. But just pay for the projection. At 173, that projection is fine. And then go from there. I think that's the way to look at it with Chaz McCormick. What about Christopher Morrell? The latest or, or one of the more recent uh, mining the news from Jeff Zimmerman highlighted Christopher Morrell with the uh, with the front office saying he's going to play. We're, we're trying to get him in consistently. Does that encourage you with Christopher Morrell? Were you in on him before that? Where do you stand with Morrell? No, because I I've just never been a Morrell believer. Um, either, I get actually. that, like you know, like at some point, yeah, th- this is like. The production on the field just means more than the underlying numbers, but the underlying numbers just scare the crap out of me. Like we're, yeah. we're talking about, like we we saw a massive, massive gain in zone contact, and he's still almost ten points below league average. That's terrible. Like, yeah, like you know, still a seventeen percent swing to trend rate. Like he just swings at everything, and he misses a lot. Now he's gonna because he swings at everything, and apparently they don't care. Like, and he does have. Power, right you know it's called a batter not a walker justin yeah it, it, he is he's absolutely a batter not a walker um he's also uh not he's a batter not a hitter um exactly so or, or a defender for that matter he is the classic utility guy yeah. who plays a bunch of spots because he can't play any of them and they're just hiding him to get the bat in but the, the problem is they also have michael bush on this team like yes. you can't like you, you can't like field as many dhs as you want you can only field one um, so wither Matt Mervis yet again. Yeah, they just hate Matt Mervis. That poor guy. <laughs> Even like Jason I, Mott feels bad for him. Yeah, so that's another good deep cut. Um, Thank so you. uh I it's interesting because like the projections are loftier than I would give them, but they all give him like a hundred plus more plate appearances. And less power. <laughs> like, oh wow! So, like they're seeing what I'm seeing in some regards. Uh, I think the batting average risk is a lot greater than they do. But yeah, um, that's my biggest concern with Morel. Yeah, like I think he could be like a 220 hitter. Um, but I think it'll come with power. I think it'll come with some speed. Uh, you know, it's just a matter: do you want to take that risk? Because I think the range of outcomes is huge on him. Yeah, if he's your guy. This price point it. of 209 for Morel, I, I get it. It's fine. He's not our guy, but we have guys that other people are going to look but at. All the other guys flaws. in this tier do not draft with Christopher Perot. Like, no. do not do not double. Like, you can you can draft him with Ian Happ because I think Ian Happ's got like you know a pretty steady outcome. Like, but like McCormick, uh, we're going to talk about Tyler O'Neill, Jared Kalnick, and Jack Swinsky. Swinsky. Yeah, like all those guys do not draft these guys together. No, because first off, you're taking on a lot of batting average risk, and yeah. you could just it could, it could really bottom out on you. Uh, Varsho, a guy that uh, I think I played a role in kind of bringing you on board with him, because when we talked mm-hmm. about him at the fall league, would not so much. But then I was like, hey man, he had a wretched year slash wise, 85 WRC plus, but still went 2016. Imagine if he just kind of regresses back toward the mean. Why can't he go 25 20? 
which I kind of think he can. And so I think Varsho has plenty of value, even as a outfield only. Um, and he's picked 214. I'm fully in here. I think this price is totally fair. And I really do like him. There is risk of another 220 batting average. I think that's covered in the price point. Yeah. Uh, last year was a quote unquote down year for him. But I think it was just an adjustment here. Um, I think it was mm -hmm. learning at a new place. You know, you're in a different country. <laughs> Toronto, yeah. uh, like a lot of new pitchers uh, too, right? Like yeah. that, that's part of it. Even though even uh, with interleague, like you're still facing some guys you, you probably never seen or don't have any sort of book on. Yeah. I mean, he had the best zone contact of his career, 87%, which is, you know, above league average, uh, swing strike rate was down to 10%, um, or 10 and a half percent. Like I, I, we know there's power, you know, 112.5 max exit velocity, uh, is the best of his career. Um, you know, like I think, I think he maybe hit the launch, you know, he had some launch angle issues where he was trying to loft things too much. Uh, and it kind of came back to bite him a little bit. Uh, but I think this is a guy like that has, I, I was on the, the, um, the fancy pros podcast in mm -hmm. my, he was my first bold prediction. And I said, uh, Dalton Varsho goes 30, 20 this year. I, I love it. And I think it's fully in the cards for Dalton Varsho to really pop off. And at this price, my point, most drafted player so far this year. Very nice. Very nice. Yep. And, you know, that's the thing. Like, you might feel some type of way about a guy in October. You dive deeper. You're like, wait a minute. No, I actually like this guy. And so that's somebody that you kind of 180 on. Now, all of a sudden, boom, he's on every roster because there's a lot to like here with Dalton Varsho. What about Tyler O'Neill? He's looking for a rebound. He's finally out of the Cardinals system. They clearly did not like what was going on. They kept Dolly Marmol over him. Not sure that's the right move. But uh, Tyler O'Neill is somebody for me that you should always buy by the dip. Um, like if he pops off this year and jumps back into the, like the top 120, I'm out just because of his inherent risk. But when he's down at 225, I'm generally just kind of in because I still think he has the great power and speed skills. I'm not even going to make like a huge case for his projection. I just think with his skills, anytime he's after pick 200, I'm in. What, what say you about Tyler O'Neill? Yeah. I mean, it's all about health. I, I, exactly. I think this, the skills have actually been pretty decent the last few years. It's just been the health. Um, and he finally in a position where they're going to let him play. And, you know, he's a great defender. Um, as long as he's on the field, I have no problem with it. So I prefer him in leagues in which, uh, I can drop him um, yeah. or I have IL spots. So, uh, totally. tens and twelves, this is the dude like, you know, like, because if he doesn't pan out at this price, you're just dropping him, moving on or putting him in your IL and, and grabbing someone else. And, uh, but, uh, it drafting holds, I stay away from Tyler. I think that's totally fair uh, with Tyler O'Neill, but yeah, there, there's too much upside here going to Boston. Might be an adjustment, but it's worth taking it at 225. Could absolutely pop off again. And I like how you highlighted that his skills have actually been pretty good. Big yeah. flaw in 2021. One of the reasons I was off of him was like 31% K with a 7% walk. I hate that combo. Well, the injuries have been the issue, but, but he's actually at 26% K rate and 10% walk rate since 2022. In the last two seasons there, 168 mm -hmm. games, almost a full season. And he went 23-19 in those 649 plate appearances. That's what a full season could look like. He just needs to stay healthy, though, because even in the breakout 2021, it was 537 plate appearances for Tyler O'Neill. But thankfully, at pick 225, you do not need 162 games or anywhere near that. You got If you get 140, that can easily pay back value. By the yeah. way, are you familiar with this news that I'm about to give you on Kelnick, or am I breaking this to you? No, I, I saw it this morning. Um, okay. I, I had to change afterwards. 
<laughs> yes, your excitement uh, knows no bounds here. At pick 227, Jared Kelnick, Braves, not planning to platoon Jared Kelnick. Obviously, this has you excited. Full-time PT on one of the best teams in baseball. Are you moving him up your board, or are you just going to continue to take him in this price range? Um, I'm probably hoping to. I mean, I had him, I think, higher than ADP. So no I think, there. I, I think as it moves up, I'm going to be okay with it, as long as it doesn't go crazy. And the yeah. beauty of it is I think there are a lot of guys in his range or above him where people are really excited about him. So like, Exactly. Um, I, I'm hoping this doesn't move the needle too much. Um, because just because they are hoping to give him an everyday role doesn't mean they will give him an everyday role if he struggles, right? So uh that being said, like this is a perfect fit for him, man. It's a great lineup, uh, in a, a good park to hit in. Uh, so I'm really, really hopeful and excited on Jared Kelnick uh having an opportunity here, you know, as long as he doesn't like punch or kick any coolers or anything like that. <laughs> exactly. Like, uh, don't do anything stupid, but like, yeah. This I is mean, encouraging though. This is super, super encouraging. I'm loving it. So, yeah. And I, I do, I think you make a great point that like, even if, you know, spring goes well for him, which it, it did last year and kind of built up some value. I think people, you know, you talk, we do like to do the meme about the Lucy and Charlie Brown kicking the football. I think there'll be enough burnt people that he won't get yeah. too crazy in most drafts. I think you're really going to get an affordable price. His min um, in these 41 drafts is 192. Would you pay that for Kelnick if things started to blossom? Yeah. I, I, yeah. Even as a Kelnick hater, I would not be against that price. That puts him right there with uh, Nimmo, Outman, and, and guys like that. So I'm totally, totally, totally fine with that. Yeah. By the way, another guy that I ex, uh, missed, we'll have to talk about him next episode. Um, yeah, I mentioned him earlier, but I didn't actually put him on the list. was Lars Newbar. Yeah. Yeah. How, how dare I? I don't know what uh, category he'll fit in, but I'll make sure we get to him. But let's finish up with Jack Sawinski here. He's your classic. I mean, he's a Tyler O'Neill type, right? Batting average risk because he strikes out a lot, but the power and speed. He's a guy that if you have him in head-to-head, -head, there's going to be a couple weeks in the season that he wins for you, wins you the league because he just went berserk uh, over the weekend yeah. series and hit like four homers, uh, you know, with two steals and, you know, seven hits or whatever but then there's other times where he's giving you negative points for three weeks in a row type mm -hmm. of deal because he can have these slumps can he mitigate some of that at age 25 be a steadier type player or is he always just going to be this kind of up down type of guy jack sawinski what do you think he's such a weird profile because like you go well he's a 30 plus percent strikeout guy and then you scroll down to that swing and strike rate at 11 percent. you go why is he uh 30% strikeout guy. It's because yeah. he's so passive in the goddamn zone. Yep. Um, like he, he, and one of the reasons why he's got that walk rate the way he does is because he will be very, very patient. Um, probably too patient, uh, to be quite honest. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I just think there's so much up and down with him. I feel like he should be better than this in terms of batting average, but nothing nothing in the numbers shows me that he should be so this passivity we've seen this with guys before it, it doesn't always fix itself but yeah, yeah he doesn't have the numbers that would normally breed 30 plus k rates 30 plus uh 30 plus k rates and so you don't have Sawinski flailing at sliders in the other batter's box a la javier bias and so you're like come on man attack your pitch more don't look for the walk take the walk if it comes yeah but don't go up there just looking for it. you know who it reminds me of a bit is aaron hicks 
I think mm. he had a lot of passivity back in the day with Minnesota and New York where he would lose himself and kind of give away some at-bats because he didn't usually have huge swinging strike rates, but yet his strikeout rate was up there for the same exact reason. He never was really able to come through on that uh, outside of his big year in 2018. But he also uh, Swinski also doesn't have the same health concerns that Hicks always dealt with. So I, I, I there is a world where Swinski can get through this. I think at the price point, I'm open to it. I like Jack Swinski. I've taken him a couple times already. I could see myself getting another share or two because I don't think that this at this price, even if he bottoms out, you're not dead. And it might be another guy that you're going to say, hey, take him where you can cut him because there's some volatility. I'm open to taking him even in DCs, though. I like Jack Swinski. Yeah, I think you just have to plan for the batting average. Like you need mm-hmm. to pair him with someone who can uh who can help raise that batting average. I do think there's a world though where like he gets some good batted luck and absolutely getting 240, 250. Um but I think even high, I thought you were gonna say as high as two sixty. I think he it could even be honestly I do too, because like he has got the ability, like he's not he's not Joey Gallo, because Joey Gallo is like seventy something percent. Mm-hmm. zone contact he's like 82 percent, which is below league average but not that much but below right there average. it's a stone's throw yeah. from the 85 percent league average so, so like, like there's upside yeah i do think there is some like batting average like he could like be a league average batting average kind of guy um if he got a little bit lucky or if he just got more aggressive in the zone if he yes. if he moves his zone or uh, zone swing rate up um uh to like 70 something percent then all of a sudden, like you're talking about a guy, hey, he should hit 245 or 250 um, and has batting average upside to, you know, 260. Like, um, so I could see an outcome. I've been a kind of an anti Jacksonski guy, but I think I'm starting to come around a little bit. I like it. I'm right there with you. Give me some Jacksonski. I think it's a fair price point. Again, I'll give you your credit. You've talked up this Pirates team as maybe being a little bit Mm -hmm. sneaky here. They could do some things, and he could be a big part of that. And to your point about the, um, uh, excuse me, the zone swing rate here, uh, Sawinski's at 63%, which puts him um, 114th out of 136 guys that had at least 500 plate appearances. Attack, young man. You've got the power to do real damage. I like that you take walks. That certainly helps you get on base, score some runs, maybe even steal a few extra bases, but attack. And I think good things will happen. So good call on that with Jack Swinski. Let's go ahead and wrap up there. We'll be back again tomorrow, getting into more outfielders. We might have to spill over into Monday because we do have a harder time limit on Fridays, but we'll see how far we can get. We'll open up with Lars Newtbar, maybe just by himself. I know I kind of mentioned him earlier anyway, but he should have been in one of these other categories that I just, I I, I forgot my favorite. The only guy I have on 100% of my teams. I have five teams. I drafted (laughs) him on every single one, and I forgot to put him in one of these categories here. But So I'm obviously going to say some glowing things about him, but Justin, we will talk tomorrow morning. Have a good rest of your day. I'll talk to you later. Take it easy.